This is a wonderful day here in South Texas. It is a beautiful evening. It's cold outside, a little bit of rain. I'm here with this wonderful person, an amazing woman. Her name is Rebecca Lomas. She is an accomplished writer. She was educated at Our Lady of the Lake University with a degree in English and Spanish. And she became a freelance writer. Publications include business journals and newspaper articles. And uh, she wrote a book. When I read the book, it created a big impact on me. It really cut so deep into me because it talks about one of the biggest issues that we are going through in society right now. The title of the book is Rising Above Pornography. Rebecca, hello, how are you? So nice that you're here with us. It's uh, very nice being here, Lydia, and I really appreciate your asking me to come share regarding this book. And it is so providential, Rebecca, because a professional said, look, a lot of the young people that I see are dealing with addiction to pornography. So um, I just go straight to my bookcase and I wrap her book. And I was like, I just immediately sent it to her and I said, get this book because this has a lot of reasons, a lot of answers, a lot of hope for uh, what we are to do and how are we to react to understand how uh, horrible pornography is and how it can affect us and how it has victims and how we as society can do something about it. And uh, so I, I got in contact with her and I invited her to be here with us. So thank you for writing this wonderful book. Thank you, Lydia. I appreciate that. It's wonderful being here. I think it's great you point out how you were able to share this book with probably a counselor or a therapist. And the book turns out to be applicable to a lot of people. It talks about women who seem to be the main victims of pornography or sexual abuse, but in reality, everybody is impacted by it in one way or another. And in the end, it is society's responsibility to create good surroundings for everyone. And pornography can cause a lot of heartache, if not real abuse. And so this book tries to have words for everybody, not just the victim, but the families of victims, offenders who may have made bad decisions, in their early life and who are suffering the consequences, and also to leaders, people that are in a position to instruct others or guide others, much like this therapist that you're talking about, or a teacher who can influence a lot of young people throughout their career. Yes, definitely. We all are able to uh, relate one way or another. And, and also it is a window to look into yourself and ourselves in our inner being. What can we do about it, about this crisis that we're going through? There is a lot that we can do with the power of ourselves, within ourselves, and with the help from God, we can accomplish so many things. I was born in Texas, 
and I grew up in a family in a barrio and my father worked very hard to support his family and he was a man of value whom I admired and he would always give us advice and he'd give other people sometimes unwanted advice but from his experiences and I went through a I call it a misfortune when I was young, and I didn't really want to talk about it before, but I've come to the conclusion that people need to be aware of things that are going on in our society and have been for a long time, but because people keep quiet about it, it just becomes a comfortable situation for this giant that's out there and it's the giant of pornography. And I wrote it several years ago, probably before it became pretty widespread on the internet, but the message is still the same today as it was then, that we need to be careful about a lot of things in our society that bring harm to individuals and to families. And as a child, I was molested by someone in the neighborhood who was about 14. And I tried to deal with it by myself for many years, decades, I would say. And it wasn't until God healed me that I was able to really get it behind me. Sometimes people say, well, you need to forget about it and go on with your life. It's very easy to say that people who have not experienced it. But there are many, many people out there, and we hear about it every day in the media, how someone is hurt, how someone has victimized someone else, even how people have lost their lives to sex crimes, and yet nobody says much about it. The government doesn't take responsibility and no one is held accountable for pushing it either. So even though we can't really eradicate everything that's around us, we can try to rise above it. And that's why I named this book Rising Above Pornography. Somehow we need to become more aware as parents, as leaders. And so again, this book has a little bit for anybody who might be interested in reading it. Yes, definitely. Rebecca is a woman of faith. She has this peace that she reflects when uh, you are with her. And I want to share up to you because you were so amazingly brave by writing about this and by telling us, because I know how difficult it is for victims to bring forward and to recognize, yes, I was a victim, I was sexually abused. And in your case, it was very much related to pornography. The abuse that you suffer, not your abuse, the abuse. The abuse. Yes. We don't want to take possession of it. No. That is not who we are. Exactly. But for many years, it can bother a person to the point where some people uh, even get very despondent. They become introverts or they mistrust people and it eats away at you. That's what it did, did to me. 
and I had very low self-esteem, and I would pray to God for answers or for things to change, and it never seemed to change. So there was a while that I lost my faith in God, but ultimately it was also God who gave me peace when I came to terms with it and when I was able to forgive the person who hurt me. I also want to uh, thank you for having me here and for all that you're doing on your apostolate to help other people. It's nice to see someone in our area doing things like this and also to the people who are going to share this. Yes, yes, you're welcome. It's an honor for me to be here. And in your book, you talk about when there is a woman that is a victim. But maybe sometimes they don't see it as a victim because if she dedicates her life to certain activities that are not viewed as morally okay. Why do you think we as society react like that? I think in a way we, we um, are to blame for what is going on in society because we have become very lax and there's been such a rise in sexual crimes or abuse that it's all over and we just tend to ignore it. The best thing is just to ignore it or you blame the woman for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's just uh, difficult to find a solution, but that's part of the problem, that because we don't try to find solutions, then it's just growing. It has a free reign in society, and it's like there's no stopping it. We're not doing enough about it. We're not working enough about it. Right. We're not working enough about it. This past week on a, a news channel, they were showing some Muslim fathers somewhere in a Midwestern state where they were in front of a school board and they were standing up for their young children in elementary school. And one of the, one of the fathers said, we didn't come to this country for our children to be exposed to pornography in elementary. And it's even happening in kindergartens. And maybe it doesn't happen here in this area, but we have other things like sex trafficking. Everybody talks about sex trafficking, but do we ever really hear about what we can do to avoid it? Or is anybody standing up to this giant that creates so much evil and so much sorrow for people? Yes, you talk in your book about governments uh, when there is crisis for immigration, crisis like uh, menacing of war. A lot of money got put into it and a lot of efforts That's to right. help the immigrants, to help, to aid whoever other country might be in danger of their liberties. So imagine if the same will be done for this situation that has to do with pornography. I really don't know if there is something really going on, but I really haven't heard much about it. I, I doubt it. I think it's left up to just 
individuals and maybe some certain groups that are willing to go out there and make people aware of it. But other than that, there doesn't seem to be any money being spent by the government on that. Yet for years, the government has been fighting this war on drugs and nobody uh, really puts that down because yes, it's important, but so are things that affect society and families and individuals. And it's not just women, like I said, who are the victims, but it's young children and also any men who are out there as offenders, sex offenders. So it affects everybody in one way or another. And if more money were spent on this, there could be solutions. And because there, there is no activity against it, then it just grows. People feel at liberty to push it on the schools, on our children. It doesn't make sense. And, and of course, people get rich off of it by using it in the media. If you look at movie actresses, for instance, people see them as heroes. And young women emulate these actresses who make a lot of money from disrespecting their own bodies, and they don't seem to care what it's going to do to other people who are viewing them, especially the youth. So there's something very wrong there, and because we're silent, it's just going to get worse before it gets better. We have grown accustomed to see things that it doesn't seem immoral anymore. It's not only immoral, you're told, hey, that's, that's the fashion today. If you don't live up to it, then you're, you're considered old-fashioned. And nobody wants those labels, but they're not real. Social media has been a, had a big impact on influencing young generations. Right? Exactly. The false sense of happiness that there's this... Uh, influencers or celebrities that are portraying they think is real. And there's so much uh, temptation out there that all of this, our society is saturated with it. And so it affects different people differently. But the young people of today are not to blame for this being out there. And the heroes of Hollywood, the actresses, They come out and disrespect their own bodies. They have everything falling out, so to speak, but they don't care how it affects the people who are exposed to this. And they're the ones who can afford anything. They can afford security. They can afford to become immune to all the effects. Just look at Super Bowl is coming up in January. And what does everybody look for? The halftime show to see how raunchy it's going to get. And I saw it a couple of years ago, and there was a famous actress, and she was just uh, slobbering all over the place. That's how I describe it, with uh, sexual insinuations, and it's in everybody's living room. What is this that all of this has come into our homes and 
we're not able to to control it. And, and we as parents, what do we do? Now that you said it's in everybody's living room, I remember years ago, like uh, my my kids are grown up, but at the time they were children. I went to we went to a birthday party, of one kid from school. You and you know there were children and there were family members and some adults and another parent or two like me. And uh, so suddenly I just go into this uh, um, another family room. There were children there, and guess what was on the TV? Pornography. Oh. I could not believe it. Yep. All the children that attended that party were exposed to pornography. Right. So what did I do? I went to the owner of the house and I said, do you know what's going on in that room? There's children and there is pornography on the TV. And she said, oh, that's okay. That's what she said. I believe it. Imagine. So I just say that I couldn't stay there and I was just gonna go and I called my children and we took off. You did something that was very courageous even though at the expense that you might lose a friend or that your child might lose a friend and it seems like just a drop in the water, a drop in the ocean as they say, but the fact that you did something about it must have made people, that family, think about it. And sometimes when we go into a public place and people of all ages are there, it can be in any store. Sometimes you see the gaudiest magazines on the rack while you're paying your tab and everybody can see it. And when nobody says anything, it's going to continue like that. Mm -hmm. One time I approached, uh, but I asked the manager, why they had those magazines there in front of children also. And they didn't have an answer. They got embarrassed, maybe. And then they think, oh, who is this nut? You know? But after that, I wrote some letters. And over time, I've seen a change. But they're just one example. The managers of, of a store or public place can take action to remove all those obscene pictures that they put up because children are not in a position to understand it. And if the parents, like in that party you were at, think it's, it's okay or that it's fun or cute, what are the kids going to think? I think we expose them to so many wrong things and... Uh, we expose them to be victims themselves, like you put it in the in your book. That also the persons that are using pornography are also victims of it. Right. In my case, um, I was abused by someone who was twice my age. I was like age six or seven. And it happened for about two years. So he was about 14 or 15. And when you stop to think of it, well, he was a victim of it. And so why do I pick on pornography? Because he had it all around him. So I saw what it could do. And it affected me. 
I hardly talked about it to anybody. I kept it a secret. And I know that that's what a lot of people go through. And I just thank God that it was not an immediate family member who did this to me. But we hear of cases all the time where there is a tragedy within families or somebody ends up in prison. At that time, I didn't do anything about it. But if I had, he might have been arrested and put away for the rest of his life or uh, he wouldn't have had an opportunity to, to do other things with his life. You were a child. You didn't tell anybody. It went on for two years. Right. Did you even know what was happening? No, you I didn't. didn't. Sometimes young children will take it as a sign of affection from somebody close to them. But I did start having nightmares that I was being kidnapped. It was the same nightmare that I would have. And finally, I, I was attending Catholic school at the time, and I know that it was in second grade that when the nuns started talking about the commandments, she said she warned us not to let others touch us inappropriately and to just get away from it. So that was what I was able to do. I just got away from him. So I was able to stop it. But all those emotions and effects remained for many years. We hear about post-traumatic syndrome like of soldiers from war. And of course, in war, they put their lives on the line. So it's not really the same thing, but that doesn't mean that you don't suffer the trauma of this even for a whole lifetime. You know, well, first of all, I really am so sorry that this happened to you. Thank you. And I'm not uh, blaming the whole male race either. So. <laughs> yes, we know that. Yes, yes. But you see them also as victims of pornography. That talks about the depthness of your love for people. But I'm sure when you were growing up, you didn't see that. Right. Dígame. No, I, I'm just saying that I was not at peace and at even as a young teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, people react to it from one extreme to the other. There's a lot of things that come into play, but it wasn't until I realized that he was a victim too and that I too in my life, I may have victimized others in other ways. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I was able to heal from it and ultimately forgive him in my heart also. Um, it came to my, to my mind. Uh, I am talking personally about me. Uh, when I was 15 years old um, in my hometown back in Mexico, uh, my, I had a little sister. My little sister is like, was like five or so, six years old. And uh, she comes home one day I just had uh, gotten home uh, from work, from school. And she comes home and, and my mom says, where were you? And she said, oh, we were in that home that they're building. And she said, oh, who was there? And she said, 
this neighbor and this neighbor and this neighbor. She said, oh, but he mentioned a name of a boy. He was like 12 years old at that time. He said, he was playing doctor with us. And I was like, at that moment, I just felt something that I can't describe. Felt that I was taken somewhere. My mom asked her more questions. And I just don't remember exactly what it was. But at that moment, it came to my brain that the father of that child had done something to me. Yeah. Now I know that it was when I was six years old. I didn't remember anything until my sister, when I'm, I'm 15, it was like, like that. On a snap, it's like, you know, thinking about it. It's because I didn't know what had happened to me. I was a child. We don't even know what sex is. We're barely learning other things about uh, playing, about games, about... What ice cream you like. Or oh, my God. Oh. You know, why do you ask? Why? This is so... <sighs> ice cream you like. <sighs> I couldn't eat ice cream. And I'm, let me tell you why. Why? I was in the house of that person. You also mentioned in your book that victims are victimized by, most of the time, by people that we know. Right? Relatives or neighbors or right, friends. Right, right. It's, it's whoever's close to you most of the time who you come in contact with. But unfortunately, there's another side to this that the more this happens the more we become distrustful as adults, mm -hmm. as parents. And some of that is necessary, but a lot of it can be unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And then we come up with these suspicions or people want to make money out of sexual harassment or abuse. Mm -hmm. And so there's different ways of looking at it. But if it weren't out there so publicly, all these problems would be lessened. Yes. You know, um, I'm going to come back to what I was saying a while ago because we as parents have to be very careful. You know, what happened to my experience at that birthday party? And I went to the house of this man. It was my neighbor. My daddy, my papi, have asked me to go ask for a tool. He needed a special tool to fix something at home. And he asked me to go. And I went. We as parents have to be very observative because um, I don't know how long it happened for how many minutes or the lapse of time that passed. I went home and gave the tool to my dad. And then there was the ice cream truck in the neighborhood. Right. Papi bought chopos, the ice cream cones for everybody. And I just couldn't eat it. I was throwing up. I was so nauseated. But I didn't know why. So for many years, for decades, I could never eat ice cream. The reason I brought up ice cream, and I'm also sorry that you went through that, because children are young and we see pornography being pushed in the schools. 
or what gender they want to be at mm -hmm. age four. But children at that age don't even know what flavor of ice cream they like. Some of them might still be wearing training pants because they're not potty trained. And yet they're being exposed to all this garbage is what I call it. And the thing is that now it is just on their electronic device. It can be accessed from anywhere. You mentioned a while ago in the stores that is just on the open. Decades ago, I remember also when I was a teenager that I was on the, in my city, in Mexico, I was very busy in uh, like, you know, the avenues, the cars going and coming. And I remember I was with this older young man, but I was a teenager. He was 20 some. He was pretending to be, he wanted to date me. I remember we were walking and then we stopped in the corner before crossing the street. And there is a magazine stand and there was some magazines that you couldn't really see because they were covered in plastic and with a paper that you couldn't really see what it was, what it was. But uh, he said, have you ever read one of those magazines? Oh, those were naked people. No, I, I was told that there are magazines that are not good for me. And he said, I have. But, you know, this is a big sign for me to get away from this person. Right. We, as parents, or maybe you might have younger brothers and sisters, nieces or nephews who look up to you for guidance, we should be able to talk about how we should respect others, not demean them. And, and women are demeaned in public, like we're kind of some uh, sex objects only when we're just like everybody else who wants to work, live without any aggression around us. And yet, so why are we so silent about this? In the newsstands that you were talking about several years ago, all these things were hidden somewhere in, in a back room. And I remember in Spanish that I heard a man one time ask the salesperson in Spanish, uh, no tienen magazines de maña. <laughs> okay. Oh, de maña. Maña, right. Like, do you have any off-the-wall stuff? and they would have to go get it in the back. Mm. But now it's out in the open. Anybody, any kid, any age can access them. Um, so what do you think will be the consequences that are presenting to us right now if we as parents allow all of these to be widely open in the schools? What do you think can happen to us as a society? Where are we going with this? If we don't do anything about it to stop it. It's just going to grow because it's... Uh multi-million dollar industry. Like California, it's one of their biggest businesses because there's a lot of money in it. And if people can make money off of anything that's not good for society, unless it's there's uh, somebody puts a check on it, like mm -hmm. to stop it. I don't know about you, but I'm on Facebook and over the last two or three years, I try to 
put something on Facebook or somebody forwards it and all of a sudden it's dropped or mm -hmm. like this is false content mm -hmm. and you can't access this because somebody is censoring you and censoring other people. So it really is up to us to put pressure on this business and to complain. Sometimes it might just be like baby steps, do a little bit at a time, but sometimes it may mean uh, if you see something again in a public place like mm -hmm. a store. When, I, when, when my kids were younger and I saw something like that when we were all together, they knew what I was gonna do next. Mm -hmm. And I would ask for the manager. And the question is not to say, okay, this offends me. Why do you have it up there? Okay, we want to put the defense on their part. Why do they have it up there? Yes. And maybe they'll come up with an answer or not, or again, they'll call you a crazy person. But in the end, you're still getting the message across that people should be responsible for what they're doing. So really what you're saying is we can do something about it. We mm. can't. You, in your book, you talk about anti-pornography groups. They work as volunteers without personal gain of money. Their work is unglamorous and they have to look for financial support. So associations that are fighting against pornography, organizations, they rely on the support that we can give them as well, monetary, because there's no money coming in for them. No. And the irony is that it's not a topic that we can discuss at the kitchen table. Everybody's embarrassed by it or they don't want to touch that subject. Even friends, uh, friends with other friends, it's like soul. Mm. You know, you talk about a power over spirit and body which can inflict scars and influence people towards a life behind bars. It's a power that needs to be replaced with a more powerful force. Yes, you know, in my family, I have uh, a brother, I have sons. Most of us have had fathers and I loved my father dearly. He was a man of values, but he also used to say, I'm telling you this because of experience. Mm -hmm. And we can use our misfortunes to bring some good out of everything. Yes. And also, even if we think that as ordinary people, we're not able to do anything, if we pray to God and ask the Holy Spirit to help us also, we can overcome those experiences that took so much out of us and try to bring good out of it because that also helps the healing process. We cannot do nothing without the help of God. And sometimes we also, I, and I will say personally, it's my opinion, we need a person that is a professional to help us heal. A human being that can also help us towards this path to walk to, so we can at least understand and get to forgive those who have hurt us. I would like to read this part. 
that I think is so beautiful. Men and women can be united in spirit as a human oneness for the same common good. Men and women are equally dependent on each other for love, peace, support, and honest fulfillment. It's just so beautiful what you wrote here. Thank you. I, I Like I said, I think of my own parents who both instilled values in us. We were very poor, and my dad... He was not an educated man, but sometimes he'd see some behavior in other people that he didn't like, and he'd say, es falta de educación, a lack of education. But what he meant was virtues. And so we depend on each other. We depend on the family. We get a lot of our support and sustenance from our families, and yet... Pornography or abuse only tends to break families sometimes, break them up like a lot of other issues also. So it's not really helping society, either as individuals or as families. So we need to get back to that. And if there's an evil out there that needs to be targeted, then we should do that, just like Everything else is targeted in government. We're all in this together. It's just not women who are being victims. And it's just that this has become such a giant everywhere because it has been given the reign to take over. And people become enslaved to it. It's just like being addicted to other things. People can become addicted to it, and it's like, what good comes out of it? Or what's the purpose of all these actresses just all the time uh, doing whatever they want and regardless of the consequences? What comes to your heart, Rebecca, that what are we to do to be part of this? What is the main strength that we need? What is it? Realistically, I think that one person alone cannot take care of this problem. It's a worldwide problem, but it's being ignored. And if more people became aware of it, which is what I try to do in the book, um, I didn't start out to write a book, but after I had gone to a retreat and found inner healing, I was writing to, I heard a congresswoman say that she wanted to pass a bill or something against pornography. So I started writing her a letter. And uh, of course, I had a lot of emotions inside me, including anger. It's like that post-traumatic syndrome that comes back and like you you just have this rage inside. Okay, I no longer feel that because I have gotten over it to some extent, but I attribute it to God healing me. People can go to therapy and things like that. Maybe it all helps. So I kept adding to this letter and soon I had like a small chapter 
And then after more days, it became a book. And I'd hear something one day, and, and I'd say, oh, I know what that feels like. And so I was able to write about it and cover several of the issues that surround pornography. And so when people become more aware of it, they're able to deal with it. And as more people hear about it or believe that something can be done, then it can be done, just like all other issues. So we have to rise above that culture, and it's never going to disappear completely, but everything can be, laws can be amended, pressure, peer pressure can be put out there. I go back to the two Muslim men who went to the school board mm -hmm. to speak up for their small children, and if it goes if it continues to be patronized where we're willing to spend our hard-earned money on pornographic movies or whatever, then what good can come out of that? So how we, you and I, were victims of pornography, I'm sure. You know that you were directly because the teenager that abused you kept pornography right next right. to him. He exposed it to me as a young child, and that's what bothers me about young children now being exposed mm -hmm. to so much pornography. I wouldn't want it for my grandchildren. And it, who wants to see that? There, there should be limits. Maybe they started out with limits a few years ago, but it's almost like there's no limit to anything now. Everything is at our fingertips, on the internet, on our phones. So, Rebecca, how is it that you rose above pornography, being a victim of pornography? I had just spent a spiritual retreat when I felt that healing from mm -hmm. God. But it was that daily healing by writing the book, which I thought was just going to be a letter that I was able to get that out of my system. And I thank God that he gave me the opportunity to do that. But it's turning something evil into hopefully something good for other people. Yes. When we are able to do something positive with negative experiences that we've had in the past, then we're, we're using them for good. Yes, I, by reading your book, I mean, when I finally was able to read your whole book, it was, uh, so I read it in stages as I was going along, uh, feeling sad, feeling mad, feeling confused sometimes in some chapters. But uh, I thank you so much for, because you wrote this book, because for me, it helped me. It was a tool, one more tool that helped me rose about being a victim of sexual abuse myself. I, I'm glad to hear that because my thinking was if it can help one person somewhere, then it's worth, the work is worth it. So I'm really glad that it has helped you. And I think it could help others, whether they are the victim or the offender 
or if maybe they're a teacher in a classroom and they need to open their eyes to what's going on, to parents, the families who also suffer along with the victimized person, or when somebody is sentenced for being an offender, it's not just that person who's suffering, the whole family is suffering. So how can something that affects people in such a negative way be out there with such strong influence? And I wish that we could laugh about it like some other people laugh. Mm. You know, mm. they, they think it's funny. Well, rising above pornography, it brought a lot of clarity to me, to my mind. And so it helped me, it was a tool, but also in my case, it was having a therapist that was able to deal with me. Help you. With, with every other thing that we go through. Because we grow up, we go through stages in life. We no longer are a child, a teenager. We get married, we have children. But in my case, that something remained inside of me and I never knew. It was not until about two years ago that my therapist really helped me see everything. And also I had an experience on a, a special day of prayer that I attended in a group. And they're mentioning all of that people that hurt you, close your eyes and ask God to for, from the bottom of your heart, from the deepest of your being, forgive those who have hurt you, have done harm to you. And at that moment, that man came to my mind. And I know it was then when I finally forgave him. And that was part of me rising above the abuse that I had suffered. So we have to remember that God forgives everyone. And the sooner we are able to forgive, then the sooner we too will heal. And you asked a while ago about addiction. And in the book, there are there's a chapter on the 12 stages of how to overcome pornography, mm -hmm. addictions to pornography. And it's a lot of things are just common sense also, like you try to get away from those situations. The more you stop at a gentleman's bar, what are you going to expect? And I recently heard too, where in the city where I live, there was an investigation at a home nearby where a man and his son were both engaging in child pornography over the internet. This is this year, you know. It's what I have heard more in the news that they're able to know who is seeking and looking for this. But however, okay, that's child pornography, but how with the other pornography? Is it still so bad? It's harming somebody. Right. Uh, we have our loved ones, our society. We have God. Amen. All of this is, is uh, with us, a spiritual director, a relative, a friend, a tia, a grand grandpa, a grandma. If somebody has gone or is going through different things uh, that might be harming in a way, seek help. Talk to somebody. Rebecca, it was again an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for all the words of wisdom, for your love that you share for us, for your hope and for your desire to eradicate this 
to keep on rejecting these horrible things that should not be present in our society and our children's lives in our future. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Lydia, and it's been a pleasure talking with you. And I learn a lot from you, too. And I hope that whoever does read the book will also gain something from it and also be able to help others. The book is available on Amazon.com and also on BarnesandNoble.com. Yes. Rising Above Pornography by Rebecca Lomas. And we'll put a link on the description so you can click on the link and take you to the book. Thank you so much. God bless you. And bless the audience too. Yes. Peace be with you all.